Dopey Podcast Dopey Podcast Well now is the time for the Dopey Podcast When you call in and put all your life on blast And you call in and talk about your past Because your life was filled with us hardcore and fast So now is the time for the Dopey Podcast It's the Dopey Podcast The Dopey Podcast, yo This is the Dopey Podcast This is the Dopey Podcast Now if your life was furious, hardcore and fast You feel like you want to put your life on blast Just call up the show and I talk about your past Cause now is the time for the Dopey Podcast Dopey Podcast It's the Dopey Podcast The Dopey Podcast, yo This is the Dopey Podcast This is the Dopey Podcast Who must say hard and pull up? Yes, I stay strong, Dopey Nation Yes, all of my brethren and my sister in and out of recovery. Give thanks for the most high power. Yes, I. <laughs> Rastafari. I. Peace, peace, peace and love. And love. <laughs> This episode of Dopey is brought to you by Aloe Recovery. Located in southern sunny California, smack in the middle of Malibu, and Silver Lake. I think they have a house someplace else, if I'm not mistaken. Aloe sounds, if I was all fucked up on drugs, Aloe sounds like the place I would want to go. Crazy good staff, clinical director, Dr. Dina Mannion, with three decades of experience treating addiction and mental health disorders, multidisciplinary care team with a psychiatrist, masters and doctoral level therapists to treat co-occurring and underlying mental health problems, including severe mental illness and dual diagnoses. They, very importantly, they use state-of-the-art pharmacology for their detox, making clients as comfortable as possible, which is really very important. Um, the amenities are off the hook. Fucking surfing, horseback riding, sweat lodge, and that incredible sound bath meditation. I think I could use a sound bath in the attic. Uh, most importantly, Aloe Recovery is, um, is, is created by our friend Bob Forrest and uh, his friend Evan Haynes and their friend Bob. And what they wanted to do is put together a place that treated addicts with respect. Um, and from what I hear, it's true. I have a friend who's out there right now, and uh, he says that the ad is incredibly legitimate. So if you hear this ad and it sounds like a place you want to go and you want to get clean in California, check out Alan. And uh, here's the show. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And my name is Dave, and we have a treat for you this evening. Uh, we said he was going to come back, and he's back. Last time he was here, it was a cliffhanger where he was getting a colonoscopy. The great Ashley Hamilton. Welcome back. <laughs> Your intro was fantastic. You like it? Yeah. Yeah, until you hit my name, then it's all downhill. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The, 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 the feedback from the first Ashley Hamilton dopey 
was just off the charts, and everyone wants to know how was the colonoscopy. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I'm a Delphine with low self-esteem, so thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, the colonoscopy was, uh, well, you know, after it was over, I just said to the doctor, I'm like, um, how much would it cost to do this once a week? Yeah, so, it was intimate. Uh, it was an intimate connection between you and said doctor. No, it's funny. They just couldn't. They they actually had to take so long to get it because they couldn't find a vein on me. So like the process went way longer, and then they had to fucking tilt me upside down so they could like you know hit the vein in the neck. No <laughs> way. Let me do that. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. So were you, all yeah. your veins were collapsed, and they had to hit your neck. Yeah. Wow. That's like yeah. got to be some sort of flashback feeling, right? Yeah, after the seventh try, I'm like, yeah, let me do it. Um, yeah, except I was never really hanging upside down, I don't think. Right. You never, I could see you as that kind that like, you know, those super fit dudes who like hang upside down with the gravity boots and like swing and do fucking crunches upside down. You've never done that? No, bro. Dude, you should, be, you should be doing that stuff. Why aren't you doing that stuff? I could totally see you doing that. It's too hard, man. Yeah. It's too hard. I, I, I'm trying to get away from the uh, 12, 12 reps and into the 12 steps. Bump, bump, this yeah. thing on, try the meatloaf on the way out. <laughs> Very nice. Um, what was I going to say? Did they give you drugs for that colonoscopy or no? You know, I'm so bummed out because everybody says they're going to give you fentanyl. They're going to give you fentanyl. I'm like, yes, fentanyl. Do whatever you want with my bunghole. Fentanyl. You know, like, and then and then they're like, no, you don't get that. You just get the regular, uh, you know, anesthetic they give you, I guess, the Michael Jackson juice or whatever. That just knocks that pro- you out. That profanol. Profanol. Yeah, but I'm wondering, like, why everybody else gets fentanyl. Well, did, <laughs> well I mean, maybe they knew your, your history. Did they know your yeah, history? They, they, yeah, because it's at UCLA, so they know my history for sure. And did did you ever get to like seek out fentanyl like specifically? What do you mean? Like I don't remember in your story like were were you ever able to just cop fentanyl? Like was that something you could get? Oh man, I got to I mean uh, so yes, yeah, so before it became all all the rave, right? Uh or all the rage, which one is it? Rave. It's the uh, it's the rage, not the rave. Yeah, you party and dance at the rave, but when something... The rage. The rage. It's all the yes. rage. Yes. Okay, keep going. Yeah, all the rave. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm just keep going. Yeah. I'm just... <laughs> yeah, it's all the, all, all the, all the rage. Um, before like me on steroids. Before um, fentanyl started killing everybody... Um, yes. So, so I uh, had a doctor and... Um, Doctor owned a pharmacy, and uh, it was it was connected very close to where he was. So there was secret passages all around, and uh, you could just go give him some cash and be like, "Okay, I want ten mils of fentanyl, ten mils of dilated, uh, ten mils of morphine, just in case he gets sick, you know, whatever." And even even the old school Demerol was kind of fun to do once in a while, but. Um, but the dilated and the fentanyl was my favorite. The fentanyl was just so, so fast acting. It was like it was like crazy. So I remember I had a friend, I had a friend come to my house too. They want like he wanted to get high and try it a little bit. And he, you know, I'm like, man, this is kind of different. He, his career is really going. He's somebody in the business, and I'm not gonna give him up. But it's like, was it Anthony Kiedis? <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Um, and 
And so I'm like, okay. And so he's cool at the place. And then he goes, oh, just give me a little bit more so I can take it to go. I'm like, okay. Bro. <laughs> and then I guess I hear in the news, he, he like OD and his wife called the like paramedics. And he was, he was fine, thank God. But, but uh, yeah, man, it's just, you know, you know, you never know who you're harming besides yourself, you know? So you gave but, this, this musician some fentanyl to go. Did and, not say he was a musician, but yes. Okay, and, and he OD'd. Somewhere around there. Whatever. Um, and he yeah. OD'd, wow. Um, and, and like, how... He, 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 he had great hair and could hit his mark, and he got paid a lot of money for it, so let's just leave it at that. All right, I'm not going to ask. I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole of asking That's you who it is. That's not Danny DeVito. It's not Danny DeVito, but he did, <laughs> you know, he did hit his marks, Danny. Um, what was I going to say? That's our problem, right? We always overshoot the mark. Yeah. Fucking. I, I, I said for a second, I'm like, forget these, like, at one point in my life, I was like, forget these, like, you know, freaking sober, sober coaches and all this stuff and sober companions. Like, I want to just, like, the rightish amount companion who's like, okay, I'm going to shoot this up for you, but it's not going to, like, you're going to be able to show up for work, but still have a really good time, and you're not going to, like, overhit the mark, you know? So that that didn't really work out. But that's, that's how great my thinking is when I'm using. Right. I mean, that was something that me and Chris always talked about was not, I mean, that's a funny idea, <laughs> the, the just okay, just a little high companion. Yeah. Like, not the sober yeah. companion and not the... No, the sober-ish, the sober-ish right. companion. So like, yeah. you can't keep it together. We always wanted to have a place, like we were at rehab and we were like, well, why isn't there just a place to go and do drugs? You know what I mean? Like the opposite of rehab, like a place where... Amsterdam. Well, yeah, but you know, I mean, like a like a club med kind of thing where it's a facility that makes sure... Well, but they don't make sure you live. They don't, you know, you can die in a facility. You could get high. It would be like one of these heroin using, whatever you call it in these you know, these places where you go and you can use dope. That was just, you know, something me and Chris always daydreamed about. But when you were fucking copying uh, pharmaceuticals, how long a period of that was that, like, possible? Like, you weren't on the street uh, copying dope or, or whatever. So, you could- so quick, so quick, so quick. Side note, so funny enough, like, you know, you'd say, like, oh, in the hospitals or wherever, where they could, like, you know, revive you or whatever, make, make it a nice setting, you know? And um, and so at one point, many different points, but this, this one time, um, I had endocarditis in my, my heart and gangrene in the arms, and so... I was I was walking down the streets. I don't know if I ever even we talked about this. I was walking down the streets and all my glands started blowing up and stinking and like exploding. And I was like, oh, I have HIV from all the used needles. And anyway, it wasn't that. It was endocarditis. It was making me really sick and it's dangerous. So I'd be in a pick line to your heart, you know, and um, in the hospital for a month. So I had that same logic, and I would just have the dealer come there, and I would shoot speedballs right to the heart for like a month. And I'm like, well, if I overshoot the mark, I'm going to be okay. You know? Shooting speedballs in the hospital, I mean, that's a safe place to get high. Oh, yeah, and then they caught on to me, and so I shot my last three grams of coke into the uh, IV saline drip, you know? And then, because they're never going to check that, you know, before they confiscate everything. And then they're like, we're giving this guy all these meds, and, and nothing's changing. Respiratory rate's fucking up, you know, through the roof and everything. <laughs> you know, they couldn't figure it out. How did you put the riding, coke? I was riding that edge the whole time where you're like, I'm going to die. You know, when you, like, find too much coke. Like, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Oh, God, please help me. And then you're like, oh, thank you, God. All right, let's do another one. But there it's, like, full time because you don't have to worry about dying. Right. First question is, how would you get it when you were in the hospital? Who would bring it? 
Oh, I figured out. I figured out shift change between all the nurses and stuff, you know. And so I figured out what time the shift change was. I would have I'd have the man come and just come up real quick and do it while was doing their paperwork and switching over with notes and everything. Okay, well that's very convenient. Uh, if I could have done this stuff, it's not good in my life. My God, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And how did? And when you put the coke into the into the drip, did you shoot? The bag up? Like, did you puncture the bag with the needle and add the... Well, it was orange cap, you know, so it's so thin, you can't see it at the top, so it's not, like, coming out, leaking in the bottom. You put it at the top, and it leaks slowly over time, you know? Amazing. I like that. And they have, like, they have Valium and Dilata in the other drips, so it's all kind of equaling out, you know? I mean, cocaine's taking a little more effect, but you have something, so you're probably not going to die. So it's like a slow ball instead of a speed ball. When you have the, the, totally, the dilated totally. drip and the coke drip, <laughs> so the slow burn ball. That's funny. That's uh, so, funny. So, 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 at one point, yeah, when I was when I was trying to pull it together, and then I thought the great idea. Well, like you know, especially traveling, I mean, you travel for work a lot, and you're going to TSA. It just gets to be really hard. In the new cities, that's a cop, and and so I found a doctor that could prescribe it to me, put my names on it, and have a syringe. <laughs> Chelsea Westminster, which means at the time there was no air conditioning. It was dead of 
summer, five people in this, this room, and we were just like dying. And I was like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to get out of here. Go cop right now. And I tried to get up to, to, to move, and my left side wouldn't move at all. I'm like, what's wrong? I tried to will it move, nothing. And then they finally explained to me, like, they had, they had, to, they had to pick me up and put me in bathtubs because that happened. My leg came back quicker, but my arm took three years were completely atrophied, so all you saw was bone, not a finger move, not a thumb, nothing, I'd have to have it in the sling otherwise it would like, you know, just fall down, and it's like you think, okay that's bottom, I'm gonna stop, but there I am in, in the mirror, like plopping that arm that doesn't work between my chin and my, my leg, so it's properly positioned to then like slam you know, it just doesn't stop, so you just hope you're gonna die, and you know, thank God it doesn't end that way. But like, I understand that. I understand that that pain, man. Where it's just like all you want to do is die, and people are going, "You're gonna die," and you're like, "Promise when?" So what? You so know? what changed? You know, you're coming up on a year, right? When's the year? Coming? Yeah, but that time was five years. You know, like, oh yeah, and then. And then five years later, you're like, well, maybe I was just overreacting. Maybe I can just smoke crack like a gentleman, or right. But I'm talking about I'm talking about I'm talking about now. You know what I mean? Like now. So now, so so here's what's happened. So now, like now on the the tenth, I think it's the eighth, but I actually think it's the tenth. I looked. Actually, date is is a year, right? So which is great because it's been over ten years. I've actually had a year back, even though the tenth of April. The tenth yes. of April. Okay. Yes. Um, what was the tenth? So what was the tenth of April or the eighth or the ninth? Because I have the same problem with my sober date. I don't remember if it was the thirteenth. Yeah. I was in a detox first for a certain amount of time for a few weeks, and then a treatment center, and you know, it's all it's all blurry. What was the last um, run? The last run. Um. Yeah. It's. Back. I can probably tell like part of it, but it was. It's gotten to that point where my my brain just can't handle it at this age. So when you throw in those type of opiates, and now especially the benzos in the mix, I, I can't tell you what happens. I end up either arrested or in detox, having no idea what just happened. And it's usually never good, you know. Um, and I, I you know I just like it's uh, sheer. Sheer luck. It's sheer, sheer luck, you know. And um, I used to think, oh, I'm smarter. I know how to do this, but but I, I don't. You know, it was just seconds and inches, right? So where your life changes forever, and you think it's bad, and then you realize, shit, this is the rest of my life, you know. But um, I, the problem is when you've relapsed, like I have. There's never a safe time anymore, and you're not in the magical thing when you first come into AA where they'll tell you like, okay, first year's like this, second year's like this, third year's like this, fourth year's like this, fifth year, your head comes out of your ass. I'm like, but I had like, the five years already, and four years, and three years, and two years, and that's not true. Everybody's different, you know. I feel like it gets mild to be if you're not living life on your wildest dreams and all this stuff, then something's wrong with you, and right. you're not fucking doing it right, and that's just. BS, man. Like what we're promised is a daily reprieve. One day, that's it. That's it. Nothing more than that. It doesn't talk about like you know cash and prizes and all this other stuff. You know, and I just have to remember, like on a daily basis, is that is that good enough? Is today good enough? You know, like because it can't be about oh failures or successes I have or where am I at now. It just has to be like from today till tonight. And I will tell you, man, like. You know, I, I I I was kind of on the fence about the whole box 
and thing, you know, and when I was just in Portland for uh, a week, man, my whole view really shifted in a way of where, I, you know, like, you know, certain cities, L.A., where we go, we know where to go to get all that stuff and where the dope fiends are and, you know, and, and unfortunately the homelessness, which is getting worse, but you kind of know there it's every single part of every area, no matter what what neighborhood, I mean, people ODing on the streets, I saw them in the markets, syringes everywhere, and I just, you start feeling like, it's the first time in my life where it didn't really look good from to me, like, oh, I could just check out and shoot some dupes out on the streets. I really felt like the pain and suffering we go through when we're in it, you know, and like, I just start thinking, you know, Suboxone's great to get people like stabilized and back to like a normal life, because what I saw was like, you know, disastrous. And what what, what bothers me is just the the movement of okay, well, let's you know, they're they're we call them houseless now, and they can be wherever they want. Okay fine but like we're not helping them we're not helping their mental health which is suffering from other addiction or spending millions on military stuff and just saying oh they're fine if they're here in the streets they can be what they want that's not that's not helping them. you mean like houseless as opposed to homeless like that's like yeah, a, that's, a new, a- that's a new liberal like thing you have to say you know and and regardless of where does that, where does that even come from houseless instead of homeless like because it's it's like everybody has a home some what does it even mean I don't know that's that's just what the new like PC lingo you have to say or you offend somebody or something and you're I, saying I you're saying in the past you would be in a town like Portland where you'd see heroin everywhere and you might be like I I could see dipping out and getting high with these junkies or whatever. And now, uh, and now you see just fucking misery is what you're saying. Yeah, streets <laughs> and dope and escaping life and just being out there, you know, like it, 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 it used to look good, you know, and until it's been a while and you're in it and then you realize how terrible it is. But now I just, it wasn't even like a judgment because I find us addicts to be so judgmental and aid towards other addicts. And I just saw like just the pain and suffering and, and lack of, help you know and it, what's what's unfortunate about the whole thing is it really is a mirror to our society and who the whole society has become you know and it's 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 terrible because it's just we're becoming less and less compassionate right like you know love and tolerance is our, our code and stuff where we become more less and less compassionate we're too involved in like pictures on social media and I've been guilty of that and ourselves and how we look because it's got to look great on the outside you know everywhere for people nothing about on the inside and these these people neither one they're, they're struggling you know I just wish there was a way we stopped spending money with the war on drugs because that's an endless freaking joke that we know there's so much conspiracy and propaganda in that getting drugs on the streets by whatever government agency needs to that like stop the, stop the war on drugs and let's just start the start the war on mental illness and addiction start treating people because it's another gonna never gonna get better it's just gonna continue you know and it's 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 really it's sad for what I see, you know. You sound like Dr. Drew, Ashley. You should fucking get with Dr. <laughs> Drew and fucking run for office or some shit. I, I have I it's um, like, <laughs> No, it's just listen, I come from I come from as as 
as an addict and the. I'm just playing, man. I, no, I no, just. No, no, no. I'm just saying, but from the like, abuse of addicts as we like go through in our childhood and all the stuff is a part of us that's like just you know we dissociate and and like for me at one point like you know nothing would nothing would phase me no matter what I saw what would happen just so cut off and numb to everything because that's my only survival skill. Too. Well, chill, chill for a second, chill for a second, because like. I think this is well. I think this is interesting. I think because to be totally plain, whoever doesn't know who Ashley Hamilton is, Ashley is a he was born into you know United States celebrity. You know, basically, your father was was a big time actor, George Hamilton. who was your mother? I don't know who your mother was exactly. Who was your uh, Alana Stewart? Alana Stewart, who was uh, married to uh, you know one of the great great frontmen, great songwriters, great singers of rock and roll, Rod Stewart. And Ashley came up in this fucking crazy you know tug of war between two families, crazy money, crazy uh, you know access to to everything, and um, you know it, it must be a difficult way to come up. You know, it can't be like the. It's. I mean, maybe for some people, it's it's a blessing, but I don't think it was necessarily a blessing for you. I guess you know it's all really in perspective because there's a lot, a lot of people out there who had it so much worse, of course, than I have. But like, it's like the Buddha saying, it's like all beings are suffering, right? So if we don't have proper um, parenting and, and those kind of skills. You know, for self-care and ourselves growing up, then it gets really hard to 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 do that. And so, the the and this is not a poor me story whatsoever. You know, like I I, I have some good family members. You know, and um, you know, and you start to realize once you become a father, too, everybody's just trying the best they can. But I keep everything in awareness because. You know, I'm I'm grateful for the opportunities that I had that I fucked up myself, you know, so I have nobody to blame for that. And, and that was, I never felt I could handle it or worth it, you know. And so... You never thought you were worth I, what you were born into, you're saying? Well, just because that kind of, so that kind of family is so right, right. Like, so, you know, our, our brain pathways are just like they're, they're, that those ages we're growing up is just forming and what we see around us is what we process into later on in our lives, right? So you see women, you know, your your mom with these extremely successful, you know, the top of the top in their profession, you know, and so you start seeing, especially in LA, you start seeing a lot of that going, oh, that equates to love, so I must have all of this to then be okay, right? Because already we have that fucking not part of not feeling okay with ourselves as addicts, you know, and so... And so you start like mixing that in, the bar sets so high that no matter what we do or what I do, I always feel like a constant failure no matter what it is, right? So like, okay, great, I've written some hits for some big bands, great, not enough, look at me, you know, like, oh, I did some movies, look at my career, nothing, you know, like, and just that constant like shame and and not feeling good enough and trying to get out of it. And that's where I I believe like once a program comes in, so you know, shifting that per perspective um you know you also start realizing that was that was a thing that i felt so uncomfortable i mean i felt so uncomfortable always in that setting and around those people for some reason i just 
crawl on my skin and I was so much more comfortable with fucking dopings and hanging out away and being able to be myself and not having something follow me or preconceived notion, uh, notion of what they they think it's going to be or how you're going to be. You know, I, I mean, so I like, grew up, I grew up, in, you know, basically in the opposite situation. I grew up, you know, in middle class Jewish apartment in Manhattan. And I had a, you know, I had a very like strong group of friends, you know, as kid. But as soon as I left home, as soon as I went to college, I felt exactly the same way. And I felt like I needed to hide out. And I felt like I couldn't be comfortable unless I wasn't fucking cognizant. You know what I mean? I needed to put shit. And that's, that's, that's what I'm trying, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm, no, just, please. I'm trying to say that's what's so relatable about all of us. If you're, if you're, if you're from a small town and your father's the town sheriff, you share that same thing and that same feeling, you know, it just because it's magnified bigger because of some photographs, but it's like, we all share that, you know, we try to look at people differently and all oh, they don't understand, but we all have these feelings inside that we all relate to, you know, and that's why I love Dopeens because I feel like we all come together because we share this thing inside that's, that's all common. We all have it together, you know? Right. This oblivion seeking shelter kind of thing. Yes. Um, yes. Now what I was, go- what I was going to though was, was you went to Portland. It wasn't a pleasure trip. Um, uh, what happened to the audio? We got all fucked up. Yeah, I went outside to have a cigarette. I started again, but is that going to mess it up? No, it's okay. We'll get used to it. Um, you, I don't want to like. I don't want to screw everything up for you. Please, if you knew how high tech dopey was, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you, you, no, dude, you can you can stay outside. Don't worry about. it You wouldn't believe the kind of shit we we deal with on the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, hold on, let me just put down the pipe really quick. Give me two seconds. You hear that? You hear that? What is that? <laughs> exactly. Um, is that the ocean or the highway? It's the uh, traffic in L.A. on Wilshire Boulevard. Right on. Did you watch Motley Crew the Dirt? I just, man, so here's the thing. It's so great. Like, I, 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 I saw different reviews on it but I watched it and kind of knew what it was and I freaking loved it and it brought me back to like childhood and all that stuff and I know Tommy pretty well too we've worked together and that that kid which I didn't know was Machine Gun Kelly I was like god he just did him perfectly like right on if you didn't know you'd be like oh he's like kind of acting cheesy but he was like dead on I was so blown away how good he was too you know who is Machine Gun Kelly? He's an actor? What's his deal? Rapper. He's a rapper. Actor, rapper. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. I mean, that movie, the movie is retarded and like, but it's great. And um and like I wasn't like the biggest Motley Crue fan. Like Oh, okay. I, I liked um, I liked Home Sweet Home when I was a kid. I liked smoking in the boys' room. I was like I was not a Motley Crue fan, but I was a total like Motley Crue behind the music fan. And then like if I fucking you know I would be somebody that would talk shit about Motley Crue, but like the the work that they had to do to get into that spot. It's like amazing, and that movie really captured a feeling. You were, you were, yeah. you're my age. You're 44, right? Yeah. So, like, you were a kid at that point in LA. What was your life when Motley Crue was coming into fucking fame? Were you using? Were you? Were you like? Sne- were you like Drew Barrymore and shit, sneaking into clubs? No, I was like, yeah, without the career, I was like, um, I, 
I I was just so like attracted to that at such a young age because it was like rebellious, outside, drug fueled, good time that era, right? Thing and um, I just I just I I. I dug it, man. You know, I dug their music up until Nirvana came along, and then that changed the whole scene for everything. But it was, it was, um, it was really fun to watch, man. And I, I really did like their stuff kind of growing up, you know. Oh man, I thought it was so fun. I, I came home from work at like ten o'clock at night, and I was like, I'm gonna watch this, The Dirt. And I like brought food with me And I sat Like I was like a fucking old man I sat in a recliner With like a TV tray in front of me It was like midnight I had worked all day My wife comes downstairs She starts talking to me I'm like Be quiet I'm watching Motley Crue It was like Total I'm listening to Tommy Lee Had a laws on how to live life Be quiet Oh my god I mean that And that's like For me like That's like dopey dream right there Like But anyway I'm gonna go from From something like funny to something not funny the reason you were in portland was because you were going to a, a retreat right a trauma retreat yeah um i'm sorry to take us down see my transitions are terrible people are giving me shit about this all the time they like they, they say my transitions are bad okay tell you what you get to a certain place like you know I also suffered massively from the eating disorder too because bulimia and trying to be skinny and and all that stuff and it was it was we were all kind of doing it because we were all artists and, and didn't know you know like I was like oh you mean because I was such a fat kid and my nickname was Fatly until there were stories of my stepfather being gay and then it was Fagly but that's another story but um you know, just to like fit into trying to like get away from all that as you're, as you're getting older. So you're practicing all these behaviors that I didn't know. If I ate all this shit, then shot dope, I'm gonna throw up and it's perfect. I didn't know that's like the beginning stages of like bulimia. And it's hard, you know, as a man sometimes to open up that stuff, but that's just my, my truth. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're saying that you would do dope? In order to vomit all the food, like to get high in order to vomit successfully in a bulimic style or whatever. Let me rephrase that. I did dope because I love dope. Yeah. But a bonus was that. A bonus was that. You know, so when I got clean for the first five years, I stopped the heroin, but I was still doing the bulimia without, without, um, so, so like this is this is kind of sick. Uh, but anyway, um, so I would like my thing was like pints of ice cream. Love pints of ice cream. Yeah, tonight, you know. What I was your like favorite? One. What was your favorite? I depends. You know, sometimes like mint chips, sometimes chocolate chip cookie dough. The sweeter, the better. What brand know? though? What was your brand? I was eating a lot of Ben and Jerry's. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. And so I was so obsessed with like getting fat again that I would eat. So I learned this trick if you eat, I don't even sort of sharing this, but if you eat whatever you want, but you eat ice cream in the beginning and middle of it, you don't need your fingers. You can just bend over. Wyland and I used to get so good at that, we'd be doing it at the car at the same time. <laughs> Nobody else in the car would notice, you know, because you just get so quick at it. 
and um, and so you, you, you know. Wait. So you would like, you and Scott Scott Weiland would you throw up out the window? Yeah, we'd be in a car, a bunch of people having a conversation. Put down the window, look outside, and that'd be it. You wouldn't even you wouldn't even catch on. Or at least we didn't think anybody caught on. But it was pretty smooth. I could do it a lot of time, and nobody would notice. Right. You know. And I always said, first things I remember in life, the keys to the kingdom, which were first time I shot dope. First time in sobriety, I learned how to throw up and get rid of the food with all the ice cream stuff. And the third time, the first time you have sex. Um, that's, of course, third. Um, so so you think you have these you know, outside solutions for these internal problems constantly. And so it got out of control around five years, mixed with a foot surgery and some bike in and that untreated bulimia where I felt crazy and I couldn't stop, just like using and pray and be like, what's wrong with me? And so I finally like, relapsed on it and never really dealt with it, you know, so even though I was kind of in recovery, I was always in another active addiction. You know, I went to a meeting today. Uh, I hadn't been to a meeting in a long time, and I went to a meeting this morning, and this girl was sharing something very similar. She was talking about how she lived a life uh, of lies, you know what I mean? And, uh, And then she tried to get, then she got clean, and she lied on her fourth step, or she lied on her fifth step. You know what I mean? She didn't include a bunch of shit in her fourth step. So she lied on her fifth step and she said she basically threw away her 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 recovery because she couldn't be honest in the fourth step. And it sounds like I was going to ask you, like, what happened in those five years that shit changed. But it sounds like that's what it was. You kept the, the bulimia to yourself. Yeah, it's very shameful, you know. Um, it's very, very, very shameful um like heroin i was like oh, okay there's tons of us here getting clean you know it's a pop force and i were talking about and all the crew back then and stuff but with that it's not really talked about even though a lot of people are participating in it you know so lots of times you're still in it and so it just eventually got to a place where i was just you know bulimia kind of subsided but it would be overeating and exercise bulimia then just like overeating and sleeping all day then depression's worse can't get a bit just like when we're on dope and then finally like well fuck it if I'm gonna live like this I know it's even better than this right. you know cause you get in so much pain again so eventually that that happens and I'd say I started dealing with it in the last couple of years the last year has been like really dealing with it so you always feel like you have an escape to go to and sobriety, you know, okay, so in the beginning, it's great, you can do all that, you know, like shopping, gambling, women, whatever it is for you, you know, and then it gets to a point where there's a causing so much more pain that there's no more relief, and that's like the place that I've become on because that's so scary because I've always had a, a back pocket answer for these things, you know, and so a lot of stuff has been like coming up that I don't know what to do with, and so I started going into the trauma thing and what really kind of changed my view on it is I saw the, the you know, uh, Leaving Neverland. Um, yeah. Um, and, like, you know, the acts that happened when there were kids, I really related to that and I wanted to turn it off. I'm like, okay, this is, this is just too dark to help somebody and something. So I said, just watch the second part. And the second part was them as adults, how it affected their perception and their relationships with everybody in their life. And I was like, holy shit, that's me. 
you know, it's like that first time we go into, uh, you know, a meeting and we hear somebody tell our story and how they use like, oh my God, that's me, you know? And so, you know, we always know what to expect. Like you relapse, you know, okay, I'm going to go get relief. I'm going to go to treatment, you know, and it'll be okay, meds and all this stuff. But with something like this, it's like terrifying. If you have PTSD or trauma, your relapse rate goes up by 285%. Wow. You know, and the, the doctor said to me, well, why do you keep going back? It's because of the pain. What a pain you're not dressing. You know, I feel like, okay, well, I've done inventories. I've looked at everybody's, you know, part, and they're, they're sick, and they try the best they could. But it, when, like I said, when you're young, all of stuff's being formed, it, it, you have a real hard time getting close to trusting anybody or hence leaving stuff out in your, you know, four-step and being intimate because you're afraid that if you're too vulnerable that you're going to be taken advantage of again, you know? Right. And so... It prevents you from actually doing a proper fourth and fifth step, the trauma. Yeah, and you don't even realize it because if you ask me about it, like, I was just to say, oh, yeah, it happened, this, 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 but it would just be like grocery list, oh, two bad apples, three bad oranges, you know, um, but no no connection. And when the guy said, when the guy said in, in the movie, in the, uh, the documentary, Leaving Neverland, he goes, if I thought about those things happening to my daughter, just like I have a daughter, I would kill those people. Right. Right. I said, yeah, me too. And he goes, but when it comes to me, nothing. It's fine. I was like, wow, that's like, talk about blocked off and like self-worth and all kinds of stuff because I don't sometimes feel like we get to examine too much. We have to examine more. Maybe not just discarded so quick, you know? Um, and so here's the thing. I don't think we've even talked about this, but so I went there and they said, listen, like with the level that you've had this like we can't help you 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 need to go to inpatient for like a month in Kentucky and I I was like holy shit but the problem is I'm in a situation now where I either go back to the pain of where it's too much and I go back to the ultimate solution that I always go to and I always had suicide and you know shooting dope as trump cards no pun intended in my back pocket you know and so when those all of a sudden are gone it gets you feel like the walls are closing in and this is you're not gonna be able to do this and you start like losing it like i've never had like panic or any of that stuff and lately that stuff's been coming up but i leave monday sunday monday yeah it's monday to go to this place in kentucky for a month and i'm terrified man i've never been so scared of anything in my life because there's nothing there's nothing there to hide i'm not like hanging out with the cool kids and right. treatment or whatever it is there's, like nothing you can't even smoke there so i, I started smoking again because i'm so stressful but there's none of that there no food none of that stuff that you know the eating disorder stuff you can't do that and so it's just like it's really, it's really the scariest freaking thing I've ever thought of in my life. And, dude, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, I'm pretty emotionally cut off a lot of the time just because of all that stuff. But, like, that night and stuff, like, I've been, like, breaking down. And it's been terrifying, you know? Um, and I guess it's just all the stuff that sometimes they talk about us not addressing, you know? And then I feel like, well, what's wrong with me? I'm doing all the right things. But yet there's something wrong you know we're not rocketing into the fourth dimension right you know and all this other stuff that they talk about and then you know it's like the, the book's fantastic but it says you know AA is but a spiritual kindergarten and we also seek outside help that's what God made these people for you know and so 
I go back and forth with the conflict of just being pure AA and this other stuff, and I realize, like, okay, I, I need more. Some of us, some of us do. Well, you and need so, you need whatever can can help you. And I think I know I think I know you know this, but it's like in the past you 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 know you put your head in the dirt or you get high or you act out or you do whatever. And this time you're totally seeking healing. You know, and that's a totally it's a total shift in 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 your behavior. You know? But it's so scary because you can't equate it with anything, and so you don't even know. What do you mean? Possible. What do you mean by you that? You just can't. Like, like I said, like if you go into treatment, you know you're going to get meds. You know you're right. going to get this. Like, you know, but this is something like that you've ran for your whole life, and and realize like everything you think is maybe off because of these things that happen so your perception's off when you think it's like 100% sure what I say I, I, I buy by and then you start realizing maybe that's not the case you know, maybe that's not true it keeps you safe but it's hurting you more than anything so I'm so scared because now I don't have that to go to and to go into a place where it's just it's like an emotional rehab right or emotional Baghdad it's like it's just it's just scary and I know like you know and even treatment I always had it in my back pocket too well, I can bounce anytime I want but the problem is I can bounce anytime I want but where am I going back to you know and that's when you get in that place it's just scary and maybe you know for some people sometimes quickly sometimes slowly and like you know I feel sometimes like shame too and I feel like that's some of the times I've relapsed after years of recovery because I'm in this place and everybody's like oh look how good he's doing you should have him sponsor you but dying inside and you know even now I work in the field too you know part time and I feel like oh my god like right I don't I'm have it together form. I'm a full fraud right, you know, right. Rather, rather than going okay I'm doing I'm doing what's the right thing to do and maybe out of all this I will then be able to help people more in a way I never understood. Well, you will. I mean, well, hold on, though, for a second. Um, Because what we're talking about is is sexual um, abuse, that you are the victim of sexual abuse. Yes. You know? And physical, yes. And physical abuse. And, um, And when they send you to a program, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not fucking Dr. Phil or Oprah. Um, and I'm not like, I don't really even know like the best way to ask questions about it. I just know that you're my friend and, uh, and I want you to do well. And I, and I, and I know that you deserve a good life. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I feel really good about all the stuff that you're doing. Um, what do, what do they say that Kentucky is going to be like? I don't know. You know, I just, I just realized like why. You know, because we always say, oh, yeah, we like to build everything up and tear it down. And I realized, like, it's not that I like that cycle. It's like that I'm so terrified and inside don't think I'm worth it that I have to tear it down, you know. And and that's like a that's a really, like, tough place to to be because the more I think I've known as I've gotten older the answers I've had, I've realized, like, oh, I'm possibly wrong now. Oh, I, I am wrong. And it's just scary. So you don't know. I mean, you go in, there's no smoking. It's all the trauma and PTSD. I didn't understand any of this stuff. I mean, I read some of the books lightly here and there, but not to this degree. And now I'm like seeing it. And it's, it's, it's terrifying. You know, like I'm terrified. Um, and so I pray and, 
continue to move forward. But like, to be honest, it's like I just I wanted to go straight from Portland to there, but they didn't have a bed, so right. I had to get to it. Now it's just like every day. It's like oh god, it's like prelude you know, to terror. Like, when you go on an achievement, you're like, fuck yeah. it, let's get really high. You know? right. And now it's like there's, there's nothing, you know. And so uh, there are things, of course, I can make that choice, you know. And sometimes it does cross your mind. But I'm like the pain of that and seeing seeing people's, people you actually care about because you're less selfish than what you were and your daughter and people that love you. To see that look in their eyes, once again, just like, I can't do it, man. Like, I just can't. I can't do that, you know, and I don't want to end on a tragic story because it's something my head keeps telling me constantly. So it's just scary. I don't know what to expect. And I didn't want to, you know, to be honest with you, Dave, I don't want to, like, start asking too many questions because my brain's the type that will build the way of not going. And right. I don't need it. Like, I don't want to do this, and that's not going to help yeah. me or whatever. Yep. You're going to create a story. Yep. And then, like, <laughs> and then it goes to, well, what, what if this doesn't help me? Then, then I'm then it's over then I'm fucked you know right like, right you got you have to let them help you and then you yeah. also have to just really 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 consider like what you're talking about being a conduit you know what I mean being somebody who can you know I mean all this 12 step stuff really is about is about being of service you know being capable of it and you're going to be one of the few people that can actually help somebody else you know, and that's really meaningful. I mean, it sounds so fucking hokey, but it's everything. Yeah, and I feel like I've been really great with helping people get early sobriety and the foundations and the fundamentals and, and putting it in that place, you know. But, like, sometimes I would think, okay, that's just enough. Just get through another day without using today. Eventually, it'll, it'll be okay. And it's just like you, you feel like every day you're waking up and you're having to climb Mount Everest at a certain point. It becomes swallows you up and too much you know and so like I realized like okay I have to like put the ego aside which is, is killing me because especially trauma it's all all trauma is based now on ego constantly trying to keep you alive so you believe that so well but then you start seeing how it's hurting you and your life and people around you in your life and you're like I don't know how much time we have left man the way we use and all that stuff right but like I, I don't know that's that's not up, up to me but I, I want to start being able to really be free and liberated and not just have all this knowledge in my head explain though the um, ego ego and trauma I don't understand that what does that so mean so yes they're explaining and my don't quote me this definition because I'm just yeah. learning it all oh funny Chuck just texted me funny enough um, he just texted me too what did he text that's, you? That's so funny. It's going on a three-way. He'd love that. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't, even, I didn't even look. But they've been so supportive. It was great. So, so I'm sorry. What was your question? Ego time? and trauma. Yeah. yeah so, so ego, you know, we always hear like, you know, ego is not your amigo and stuff. We have to get rid of it. I never heard that. Stuff. Ego is not your amigo. Yeah, I, like, I, guess okay. it's a, I guess it's a West Side thing. Yeah, then, must be a, a then, Cholo thing. Anyway, continue. Yeah, I don't want to say that because yeah. it might not be PC, you know. That's all right. Um, but, but, you know, so, so um, you know, you start to realize the more honest you are with people around you, what's going on, you know, because there is that people-pleasing thing. You want not to scare anybody. The more love and the more open you can start to feel as who you are as a human being, you know, and my stuff was always about constantly going to all the outside stuff because that would make it okay constantly and then falling back even into that illusion again because it's just so installed, that's the only way and you really get to a point 
point, you know, like, and that's the thing, man. Like, I just, I saw that doc, and I could have heard it a million times, just like a program or recovery that we hear a million times. And then one day it hits us, it's like profound. Um, so, so I, I'm just going, I don't know what the full question was because I'm getting like all. That's okay. <laughs> The word. I mean, right. I, I'm just. I, my, my question was like, how? I guess ego becomes a mask when dealing with trauma. You, you, yes, that was that was the question. So like, so now I'm at like the, the, the jumping off point, right? Can't live with food. Can't live without it. Um, but the ego takes over to constantly like ego thought, ego thought, ego thought. So there's no real feelings who's blocking everything down to keep you alive. So like I have insomnia, I can't sleep pretty much my whole life, maybe a couple hours a night. That's why I said I was kind of tired today. And, and I started realizing like my, my, you know, we all have survival skills like our, 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 you know, our midbrain and all that stuff and our old brain that takes over for when bad things happen, right? That's, that's something we have as, in us as humans. But when it never shuts off and it's always on, and you know, you start realizing how tense everything is, and how much you're holding in, and how much it's affecting you because you're constantly in that fight or flight stage. It gets to be like just over- overwhelming, and start getting exhausted. And I just kept pushing because I was younger, and now I'm at an age where I can't keep pushing. Right? It's just it hurts. It hurts too much, and you get stuck where you're like faced to deal with this stuff, you know. So you know, all, 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 all you know, there's nothing to lose, only to gain. But then our heads go, well, if this isn't worth it, so then I'm screwed, then it's over, you know? But I have to trust the process and, and continue to do this a day at a time. But man, it's scary, you know? Like, it's weird just us doing this on the podcast because, like, just really getting this real and honest, man. And, like, and I have to let, you know, a different part of the ego go, too, with all that stuff because it's not about that. What we're doing here on these things is truth. We're all seeking truth, right? That's what brings us together. You know, and sometimes we get worried if you're going to be judged or this or that, and some things are just not for everybody, but your truth doesn't have to be for everybody, but I always felt like I had to fit in, you know, and I always could do that so well. I was a songwriter, too, fit into whatever it was, whatever mold it was, because it was that constant, my trauma stuff, and never really knowing who I am, because just me alone with that other stuff is not good enough. Well, the truth is, though, and I hate this kind of an expression, but, like, you've been through the fucking ringer. Like, like my friend Chris, who died, had been to, like, 15 yeah. treatments, and he fucking pushed himself hard. But, like, when I look at your stat sheet, like, the beginning of your book, you know, it was... It, I'm going to read it here. It's, it's two failed marriages, two failed careers, 32 rehabs, five overdoses, three flatlines, two comas, paralysis, brain surgery, spleen surgery, staph infection of the heart, gangrene of the arms, drug deal shootout and that doesn't mention fucking overeating and sexual trauma and bulimia I mean you've been through the fucking mill and I mean you're brave enough and honest enough and stupid enough to come on my stupid podcast and um fucking you're dealing with stuff you know it's like it's really pretty amazing Ashley and I know people probably tell you that all the time but it's pretty fucking amazing and I'm very proud to know you and I'm very proud of you it's like an amazing thing man you should fucking, like, pat yourself on the goddamn back for a second, man. Stop beating yourself up. Come on. No, man, no, I, I appreciate that. I mean, it means a lot, man, because I have a lot of care for you, too, you know. So, 
and that's one of the reasons like I had I had offers for that book a few years back but in my heart I felt like I wasn't ready yet cause right. there was more to be told you know um even if I do that I, I don't know I'm just you know trying to do the next thing and in front in front of me so so that's where the journey you know has has taken me this far you know right no and I, I hear I, you I, I, I just, I really want to be one of those guys who's like, not just some grouchy old time, but truly happy and allow yourself to be happy and enjoy life rather than looking at it as a curse because... Happy, joyous, and free you're talking about. Yes, because you realize like how lucky you actually are, but because of these perceptions and these things and like never feel like you mount anything and just, you know, suicide always being the out card... Um, you know, if it got too hard, that was always the one in my back pocket, you know, and now it's like, I don't want to do that, man. Like, I, I, I have a daughter I love, a family that I love, and I don't want to do that, you know, and so it's like that option's like off the table now, and that's, that's scary too, you know, so. Right. I mean, but, but, but like to speak plainly, the option's never really off the table unless you really want to make a go at living. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, in 40 day. But I was always saying, okay, I need, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, meds are great. I'm just saying, okay, I need, I need this, okay, this depression thing, this is not working, that's not working. You know, finally this doctor said to me, man, it's like, it's not about that, man. It's about dealing with stuff. He's a psychiatrist, he's also a neuroscientist, went to Stanford, Harvard, so, and, and he's had some trauma stuff himself, so he really gets it. And he's like, that stuff can help, but it's not about that. And us addicts, or at least me, I always want the easy, quick fix, man. I just want, I want the quickest out, right? I want that instant gratification. You know, and so, like, the best antidepressant of all is heroin until it's not, you know. Right, until so, it stops working, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think uh, the other meds have great benefit for people, you know, and, and trying to regulate and getting sober and stuff. But when you keep jumping and thinking that's the only solution and it's not working, then you start realizing, like, okay, what's really going on, you know? Right. And, like, the Kentucky thing sounds like it's hope. You know what I mean? Today I had this yeah. I had this weird day today. Um, my family's going to go on a trip to the Bahamas. Okay, so um, so I don't have a passport. You know, I, I had a passport when I was like twenty yeah, or something. That's okay, I'm going to Martin Luther King for a lot of trip. Better vacation. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have fucking shit. What do I need? What do I? What are you? What are you saying? No, no, I'm just saying my head would always be like vacation and, and, and like, you know, Bahamas will pay expenses or, um, or like, you know, uh, Martin Luther King uh, did a lot of drip for five days. Right, 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 totally. But sorry, what were you going on? No, so, so I, I don't have fucking, um, I don't, have, I don't have a passport and I don't know where my birth certificate is. I moved into this house last May. And I just threw everything into these file cabinets, and I put the file cabinets in the attic. And um, today I started going through the file cabinets. And I, like, I found a bottle of Suboxone. I found, like, old bags of weed. Oh, wow. I found uh, metal. You know those old dugouts that you smoke weed with? Like, they're, like, metal fake cigarettes. Um, I don't know if they had them in the West Coast. In the East Coast, you, like, smoke these metal cigarettes with weed on the tip of them. They're called uh, dugouts. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, Um, yeah. I found those full of bud, and the bud is, like, dust now. But it's like I'm seeing my old life in front of me, 
And like I wasn't tempted by any of it And I was kind of just amazed that it That it was just sitting in my file cabinets You know what I mean It's like my past I found all this weird writing And like I don't know man My point is Like I didn't have uh, the, the traumas that you had um, and, and I, you know, I know that, um, I just have faith that you can get better. And I also know that, um, that you're going to be able to do a lot of good, you know, and it means something to me, you know what I mean? And you wouldn't be doing it if it didn't mean something to you, you know? Of course, of course. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing against my back. There's no like, you know, judge, there's no like trying to get the heat off. It's just. All because, you know, right, we said we were willing to go to any lengths when we started this thing. And I always have to recheck my statement. Am I willing to go to any lengths to improve, to move on to the next stage, right? And I always say you have to get, like, uncomfortable to get comfortable. But it, that that's a continuing process through our lives, you know? Well, that's the big difference, though. In the past, you always did something because you were pushed. Your back was against the wall for something. And this is the first time that you really will go to any lengths to be free, right? Yeah. So that's really yeah, meaningful, man. No, it's true. I, ho- I hope to have this conversation after I've been, because I'm like, I don't know, but there is hope. I mean, I do have, I do have hope, you know. Well, unless unless stuff, Kentucky so. totally fails, then we wouldn't want to have we wouldn't have that conversation afterwards if it didn't work. Yeah, a mess trailer with a few underage like southern women. <laughs> now we're talking. Then we can get to some serious dopey. Um, so, so we invented this stupid game. You want to play a stupid game before you go? Yeah, sure. All right. It's not naked twister. We can't do that. We're not in person. Okay. We, we can't really do it on the phone, and I don't think okay. it, I don't think it would be as joyful as, as you might assume does, it would be. Does it involve duct tape? Uh, no. This game okay. is called. Ashley, this is my friend Sam wrote this, mostly, and it's called Ashley, Sam also helps produce the show, and he's a great, great help to me. They actually would, Sam is, uh, he lives in Ventura, and he's constantly tan, and as, when he grew up, they would call him the young George Hamilton. So, he's, he's very, he has a, he takes an interest in you, Ashley, just so you know. So, he has this, he has this game called Ashley Hamilton, this or that questions, in a new segment we like to call Getting to Know Ashley Hamilton in 18, 18 questions, okay? Now, these are just some really dumb questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, do you prefer, and just answer as quickly or as long as you want. Do you prefer romantic comedies or porn? Uh, neither. Okay, that's what I thought you'd say. Stupid Sam. Anyway, crack or powder cocaine? Duh. Crack. Bong unless hits. Shooting, unless we're shooting the powder cocaine. Right, okay. Uh, bong hits or joints? Bong hits. Yeah, me too. Cocktails or beer? Uh, not necessarily cocktails, but straight up. Right, just dr- drinking liquor at the bottle. Now, here's a question that's really important to me. Do you prefer cake or pie? Cake. And you prefer Ben and Jerry's to Haagen-Dazs? No, I love Haagen-Dazs, too. Don't get me wrong. Dude, my fucking shit is the... My favorite thing, and I would do this when I would shoot dope, is I would get a pint of vanilla chocolate chip ice cream and a pint of chocolate chocolate chip ice cream. And I and my fucking shit is that vanilla chocolate chip. I could literally eat vanilla chocolate chip 
all day. And, and it uh, would be. You know what that, that sounds like porn. It's like watching the Food Network and getting horny. That's the I know. I'm a, I'm a sick person. I'm a si- I, I really need to use the 12 steps on my fucking sugar addiction. By the way, I remember a few weeks ago you had said you were recommitting yourself to uh, this no white sugar, no white flour. How's that coming? Good, good so far. How much time you got? Uh, I guess it's been a few weeks now, but I had, I had seven months uh, and then had a quick little and now back to back to like a few weeks again. And you're smoking cigarettes though, so fuck it, right? No, dude, do what you got to do, man. I hear you. Um, I'm always, I'm always going to take like the worst the worst option, you know. All right, back to the back this to one, this one can kill you. This one just might make you look bad. Okay, I'll, I'll take the kill. Yeah, I'll take the death. I'll take death. Yeah, I'll take the death before I'm 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 fat. You know, but you can't smoke there. So remember that's gone. That's off the table. What are you gonna do? You're gonna fucking chew. What are you gonna do? Well, you know, you can't chew either. Then I was thinking, like, you know, my old dope even telling me, well, I'll just keister fucking vape. You know, salt vape, whatever. Well, that's so funny, right? And, and then I'm like, no, that's that's really dishonest too. So I won't do that. I'll just um, I just I'll just do it. They let you have Nicorette gum in the beginning. They let you have Nicorette gum in the beginning. All right, that's that that'll work. Should I keep going with this game, or do you want to give up on this game? Yeah, let's go. All right, uh, Merle Haggard or Willie Nelson? Merle Haggard. Okay. Uh, Sex Pistols or The Clash? Oh, I love The Pistols, man. Like. Clash, I love their songwriting, so it's a hard, that's a hard one. See, I'm I'm all the Clash. I'm all the Clash. Okay, so um, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for Clash because then I would have felt like I, I was being judged. But do you know Steve Jones, by the way? Very well. I was with him last night. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, dude, he's like he, he avoids me like the plague. He just does he? He just can you just give him a good word I, on I behalf of the show, please? I will. I um, will. Even though, like, I, I prefer... Have I'll you, tell him you ask the difference between cake and pie. He'll be in. He likes that stuff. I'm all about cake, personally. What about you? Me too. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Yeah. That's, it's, it gets the, the job done quicker. More of it. Yeah, but I just like chocolate more than any sort of fruit filling. I, I, I love chocolate cake. I also... Some people hate this, but I love carrot cake, too. Really? Yeah. I don't think I've even... I, I think I had, like, one piece of carrot cake in my life. Literally. No, yeah, really sugary kind. I also like to really like things from, anything from like the Cheesecake Factory, like all the cheesecake cakes with all the gnarly stuff in it, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Yeah, 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 butter. yeah, yeah. I like anything yeah. with Reese's Peanut Butter Cups in it. Anything. Yeah. All right, keep going. Uh, do you prefer meditation or prayer? Uh, I prefer meditation. It's harder, but yes. Are you still doing TM? Yep. Daily? Yep. You know, I never got a mantra on the cheap. I didn't do anything. I, I never, I never fucking did anything. What do I do? I, I let you, and you didn't want to take it. It's not that. I, I just, I am, I just, I have a hard time getting certain things accomplished. Can you resend me that link, please? Okay. Thank you. Will you really? <laughs> yeah. You'll do you it. Want a, uh, you want the link or a naked picture of me? I want the link. I want the link, man. Of course, I want to make that an easy option for you. I don't want to see me either. Go on. I want the link. Um, yeah, trust me. Do you prefer like a giant third grader, like a, like a, like a, a chubby kid, and diapers when I have my underwear on? So go on. 
No, that's what I want. I want. I want. I want the nude of you as a baby over the link. Do you have? A, can you send me a baby nude over the link? I'm not a baby nude, but I have like a 12 year old one. I'll send you. I think you already sent me that one. Oh, okay. Um. So send me the link. I. I want. I think that could fucking rocket me into some other dimension. Frankly. Um. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> the cake dimension. Yeah, dude, I, I'm in the cake dimension right now. As as much as I want to. Fourth dimension. The fourth dimension of cake. Yeah, the fourth dimension is the cake dimension. <laughs> the fifth dimension is like some TM stuff, transcendental meditation. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, do you prefer? I don't like the rest of these that much, Sam. Sam, you did good though. I think this is pretty good. Thank you, Sam. He did a good job, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Here's yeah. a good one. Here's one. Do you prefer making a searching and fearless moral inventory or making direct amends to such people wherever possible? Which you prefer? Okay, um, and that's making the direct amends. Yes. Okay, for those who for those who aren't as as up on the steps, you know, I got a new sponsor yeah. today. Yeah, whether, whether you're whether you're not such or not, it's a great thing to really like look through your past and see so many people that we've hated and hurt and realize that like we've done that ourselves to other people. You know, not like just thinking we're the victims of it sometimes. So it's 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 fascinating to just try to. And some of that's very valid, but it's just it's. Something like you know, like the St. Francis prayer, right? Like better to forgive than you know be forgiven or whatever. That's how you start, right? By like forgiving, and that's that's a tough one for me. I'm working on. That's a beautiful. That's a beautiful sentiment. I have to say. Okay, I just can't forgive the herpes, but uh, you know, I am grateful for the Valtrex. All right, next question: McDonald's or Burger King? McDonald's. When's the last time you had McDonald's? Probably six months. I don't. I don't even remember the. You know. They, you know. The new thing is the they're fries. doing. Fries. They're the best fries. Oh, dude, the fries where I work are fucking sick. The fries. Really? Dude, when's the last time you were in New York? Uh, when I was doing uh, a comedy spot on uh, the View. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You tell me about that, dude. Why don't you pop up? You should pop up after Kentucky. For sure, we'll just go on cake runs and all kind of runs. Yeah, you know, you should pop up after Kentucky. And you'll, you'll sit in on Dopey, you know, maybe at my dad's house, maybe on Long Island, and I'll, and I'll take you down to Katz's and I'll set you up. We'll fuck up your uh, your diet for a day, but it'll be cool. It'll be fun. Yeah, I'm into it. Let's see if we can set up the schedule for sure. I would love that. Um, okay. Fun, the, the re- surviving Dopey. <laughs> yeah, I would. No, but We're like. Can, treatment. Dude, you're going to be close, you know? I mean, it's not it's not the craziest thing I ever said, you know? No, for sure. I'd love to actually. Yeah, it would be fucking awesome. Um, the other one, I mean, he has Wall Street Journal or People Magazine. Yeah, neither. Yeah, Helvetica or Times New Roman. Uh, or New know. Times Roman. I, I'm a New Times Roman guy myself. Um, I can't tell the difference anymore. Well, see, that's good. That's good. Uh, <laughs> he said, now he, he really liked this one. Suntan or sunscreen? Uh, here we go. Um, neither of them. My dad doesn't believe in them. What about you? <laughs> um, yeah, I, probably the, the, the screener. It's, I, I, I'm not a big like sun fan. So you, you, yeah, you seem paler, paler than the family, yeah, than yeah. the family tan. Well, and then, yeah. and then if you are the black sheep, right? I'm like the white sheep. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, you're the pale, pale sheep of the family. The pale sheep, yeah. 
Okay, the last question, which is a very, it was a heartless question from Sam, but he says, George Hamilton or Rod Stewart? Oh, that's, that's, that's a mean one, Sam. I know. That's a mean one. He's not usually um, so mean. You know, they were both parents, but of course my Your pops. real dad, he's got the best heart in the world, and I love him. Yeah, no doubt. So thank you for playing this stupid game. Before we go, one other thing. What was it? Oh, right. Listen, what I really want you to do, I want you to tell Steve Jones to fucking come on Dopey, but I also, I want you to do the Dopey song, and what I really want you to do for yourself is get in the bathroom with Steve Jones and do one of those jams with him. Oh, we worked together. He, he my first album on... Um uh, uh, Electra, he, he he worked on and played guitar and wrote songs with me, and then you see his Instagram though when he does these vibrato bathroom jams. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking killer. You should go over to the bathroom with him and, and play a tune. Okay, Will you, do, I, do I sing into this thing? I just blow on it. You can blow on it. It's cool. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Have you seen we his tunes? All gay references as we hang up this phone call. Have you seen him do those things? No, I haven't. Dude, look at his Instagram account. He does these videos in the bathroom with musicians. He's got this tiny amp, and he does these incredible vibrato numbers. It's just you should fucking get in the bathroom with Steve and play if you can. I just, I just, you know, it's my dream. So if you can oh, live that thing. Well, write some songs here and there. Well, don't put yourself down and and um don't. And uh and thank you. A million thank yous. And you're going to leave you, you're going to leave on Monday. I am. I am. Yes. And maybe you'll come to New yeah. York afterwards. Yes, for sure. And maybe we can do a check-in or whatever, man. But you know, I always Online, offline, we always talk, man, and I, I love and care about you, and you're somebody I connected to and, and uh, consider someone I can trust in my life. So thank you for that, you know? Yeah, man, thank you. And anytime, you know, anytime, whatsoever. You know? In, insert joke here, but I can't think of one. Huh? What did you say? <laughs> I said insert joke here. Right. No, 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 no need. No need. I'm serious. You know, any, any, anything no, I, I can ever do. And, uh, and send my best to Colby. And fucking enjoy, and don't be scared about Kentucky. It'll all be good. Yep. All right? It will. Good. All right, bud. It will. All right, man. I love you, man. Thank you. Love you, you too, Ashley. Thank you so Talk much, a man. Bit. Yeah, right on. All right. Later. Bye. So that's cool. Ashley Hamilton back on the show. It's it's very weird that um, I've become friends with Ashley Hamilton through the show, but um, it's very cool. I like Ashley a lot. I'm really happy he came on the show. He's obviously going through some serious, serious stuff. So we definitely wish him the best in Kentucky, and I, I can't wait to have him back on and hear how he's doing. Trauma is uh, is obviously a terrible, terrible uh, thing to go through, and it's a real um, hot spot with addiction. You know, uh, dealing with addiction with trauma is like a very, very sticky, sticky thing. So uh, we're hoping Ashley gets some real serious help in Kentucky, and I can't wait to have him come on. And and frankly, selfishly, I just want to have him come on to tell some Rod Stewart stories because uh, I'm a big Faces fan. I'm a big Rod Stewart fan, I, maybe even more than Ashley. But that we will find out, and, uh, and of course, we wish him the best. Um, 
super happy, obviously, to be clean and sober still. I had a very, very bad week last week, and I didn't go to a meeting, and I went to a couple meetings this week uh, for all you fucking meeting makers out there. Uh, I was all fucked up, and I went to some meetings, and I feel better. And for all you people who think I'm, you know, who don't, you know, like meetings, you know, more power to you. But uh, it's good. It's good for me. I actually think I'm getting a new sponsor, and I'm about to start redoing my steps because uh, why not? You know, I need to get a little spiritual tune-up for the spring. And I'm not a big podcast listener. I'm obviously a big podcast guy because I make a podcast, but I'm not a big podcast listener. But I found uh, my favorite podcast besides Dopey because I am a home team Dopey guy. I love Dopey. Um but my favorite podcast, I think I might like it more than Dopey, to be honest with you. It's called Stay Free, and it's the story of The Clash. And um, it's narrated by Chuck D. from Public Enemy, uh, which is a weird choice. But uh, but he's doing a pretty good job. And I love The Clash. And I actually, like, I used to read these, um, these Beatle books by a guy named Philip Norman. He wrote these amazing biographies on John Lennon and Paul McCartney. They're huge, but they're really good. And when I would read them, all I could think is, I want to hear the music while I hear the story. And even more than that, I want to see the videos. I want to see pictures while I'm hearing the story. And with this, The Clash, Stay Free, you get this story of The Clash and you get the music at the same time. And this week is, uh, I forgot what the episode is called, but it's the episode where they make London Calling. So you have all of the songs from London Calling. And you get the stories about how they make it. And I think like, you know, I don't know who's listening to podcasts, but I, but you got to think that there are some kids. I mean, it's not true. You know, it's just middle-aged men like me listening to it. But you got to hope there are some kids that are listening to it that want to go start a great band and play. It just makes me want to start a great band and play, but I'm too old. I'm washed up. Dopey is my great band, you know, and uh, and I'm very, very, very happy to have it. It's It's my favorite. But what it really reminds me of is um, when me and Chris, like I, I was really, really excited to record an episode with Chris about our regrets. And, uh, and I had like obviously a million regrets. But one of my biggest regrets was not being better at guitar and singing and writing songs at a younger age. So I couldn't have the real experience that Joe Strummer and Mick Jones and Paul Simonim, Sinonim, Simonim, however you say his name, had. And... Um, you listen to that fucking show and it's just like, it is so exciting to imagine being there and, and, and how excited Joe Strummer and Mick Jones were to make those records and, and, and Paul Sinonim or Simonim, however you say his name. Um, and it, and then I remember Chris was like, Chris didn't have any regrets, which was just like classic fucking Chris. So here we go. Dopey email. It says my love for dopey. The Wire, Sopranos, two dopey stories. And here's a little bit of dopey. Hey, Dave, going to stay anonymous. Just call me Pete. Great job on the show. I'm a longtime listener. I've heard the majority of the episodes multiple times. I really love hearing all the fucked up, depraved shit. It really takes me back in a positive way and helps create moments of gratitude in my life when I'm on the go and can't make meetings. I'm 27. I've been sober for seven years. It's amazing. I relate to you quite a bit as I'm a recovering IV dope user that's found a home in AA. I recently became a home a homeowner. I have a sexful I have a sexful. I have a successful career in marketing and production. 
You should work for Dopey, Pete. You should get to work. I've got a five-year-old little girl with another little girl on the way. Wow, we do have a lot in common. And I've also just finished re-watching The Wire and The Sopranos again and waiting for Game of Thrones to come back. Me too, man. I'm actually watching Mad Men again right now. Anyway, I've got a few shitty stories, but here's two to start with. I hope you get a laugh from reading. If you like them enough to share, but the emails are too long, let me know, and I'll try to cut them down to a show-length voice memo. Now, this is a fine length, Pete. Everyone pay attention. There's a pretty good email length. Here's his first story, The Graduation Package. I've got to lay down some backstory on the one so all of the context is as funny as possible. I'm 17 when this took place. I've already dropped out of high school at this point and two years into a solid daily IV coke dope habit. I was living in my 80-year-old grandparents' basement doing nothing with a pet rat, just a total shit junkie. I recently had talked uh, a guy I knew into fronting me around $1,000 worth of dope to sell. Long story short, I did all the dope in a few days and ended up in a pretty bad spot in debt to my main guy that controlled most of the dope in my area, while also being out of dope and money. I then did what any good junkie would do and developed a get-dope-quick scheme. I came up with an extremely elaborate lie regarding my upcoming graduation, along with an itemized list of expenses, cap and gown, shoes, graduation fee, etc., uh, around 1500 bucks that I needed cash for now slash today. This was enough to pay my debt and also get well. Keep in mind that I've dropped out of school at this point. I've been out of school all year, but I've maintained this lie by leaving to cop every day in the morning and not being around during the day. I managed to get past all of the normal objections and questions any sane person would have in a situation like this. Like, why do you need this cash right now? When is the graduation ceremony? Why can't we just write a check to the school? My response was, they didn't get me the information until today. It's the last day or I can't graduate. They must have missed me. They can only accept cash at this point. I had closed the deal. My only requirement was that I produced an itemized receipt from the school by the end of the day. I got the money, I got the dope, I got well, and I typed out a janky bullshit itemized receipt on an old accounting calculator I bought at a pawn shop that I presented a few days later. Obviously, my fam- family was not totally fucking ignorant. They knew I was bullshit, but they loved me and had a serious issue with enabling. No big fireworks at the end of this one, just fucked up how deep we're willing to go with the lies and manipulation. Thanks, Pete, for the email. Uh, He actually had two stories. The other one is guns, dope, and sleeping at red lights. But we're going to save that one for another night. Um, Thank you for the email. Good luck with the baby. Congratulations on your time in recovery. This should be an inspiration to all you uh, Dopey Nation people to get writing. Send in a nice Dopey story. I would love to read it. Anyway, I'm also going to play a voicemail. This is a pretty classic, dopey voicemail from a longtime listener, Elizabeth. Hey, Dave. I'm Dopey Nation. My name is Liz. I'm from upstate New York, Caskill area. I've been listening to the show from the very beginning. I just celebrated my two-year anniversary. Been using drugs for a long time. Started when I was 15. I'm 33 now. It's my longest period of sobriety. Um, you know, I've done it all. But I've wanted to call in for a long time. I have a ton of debaucherous stories. Um, I was dumbfounded from the news of Chris. Horrible. You know, really hit me hard. 
But anyway, I wanted to call in and, you know, share some, put some dopey on you guys. Um, it's hard to choose a story. I'm in the medical profession, so I have a lot of crazy ones. Um, I'm going to tell this one from when I was, I think I was in college. It's, you know, hard to remember. Everything's a blur from that period of my life. Um, my aunt had got me a job at Dunkin' Donuts. I must have been like 19 years old. And, um, you know, I, I was out with friends the night before I had to go into work. And, you know, I always try to be responsible. I just really love to get high. And, um, you know, we were up partying all night. God knows what I took. Back then, Oxycontin was life. And I had a really bad benzo problem. So, from what I remember, we had been eating pills all night. I think I blacked out after the sixth standing bar. And I must have been telling my friends that I needed to go to work. And my friends, being the assholes that they are, decided to bring me. Now, I'm completely blacked out. And they take me to work. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. I haven't slept. And I... Completely blacked out. Unbeknownst to me, when I finally woke up, snapped out of it, standing in my uniform, I'm frosting all over me, my face, my outfit, and I'm, you know, I used to actually make the donuts, so I'm in the back, obviously, because it wouldn't, I don't even know if I was in the front. And I look over, and my manager's like, yeah. I fired you about two hours ago, but you won't leave. And I was like, oh, my God. She told me I had been walking into walls. You know, I had frosting all over my face. I was mortified. Don't even know how I got there. No recollection of anything. And, um, yeah, I think the only reason she didn't call the cops is because, you know, my aunt got me the job. So not one of my finer moments. I ended up uh, calling my friend because my car wasn't there. And, uh, you know, like, you fucking asshole, come pick me up. And he just thought it was the funniest thing. And whatever, I got fired. But, you know, it escalated from there through the years. Uh, it took me some pretty bad consequences to finally get sober. And, you know, hopefully this time it sticks because I just know that, uh, you know, if I relapse, I'm just gonna, I'm going to die. So... Yeah, I hope you guys like the story. And, um, yeah, stay strong, Dope Nation. Toodles. So thank you, Liz, for the voicemail. And obviously send in uh, voicemails and send in emails. Send in reviews. I've got some really, really good reviews. Uh, but before we do any reviews, I just want to um, I want to talk about something that's very serious and, um, and really terrible. You know, one of the more terrible things I've ever heard since uh, we started doing the show. And, um, and of course, the show has been marred with a lot of terrible, terrible things. And, uh, and this one is, um, I've told this story more times than I can remember, but I'm going to tell it again because it's important. Uh, when Chris and I started doing the show, he brought a buddy of his, uh, named, also named Dave, named Dave Marshall, uh, around and uh, it was funny because Chris always he would always say there are very few heroin addicts who can use successfully, and he would always cite Dave Marshall as one that could use successfully. 
And um, by the time I had met Dave Marshall, he wasn't using successfully. He was struggling with heroin, and he was really into dopey. And uh, and Dave Marshall was a one in a million kind of guy. He was incredibly handsome. He was incredibly ambitious, and he was literally the most in shape person I had ever met. He um he owned a CrossFit gym in uh, rural Connecticut, and uh, he was a guitar player. He on Instagram he would either have videos of himself pulling like five hundred pound sleds in his gym, or or videos of him playing these, you know, psychedelic lonely guitar solos in his room. He was a really nice guy. I, I talked to him on the phone a bunch, and I, and I he stayed at my house once, and and you know he met me at the restaurant a couple times, and um, he had actually set up our Dopey Podcast Facebook page, and um, and his sister had done some Dopey logos for us, and uh, I would say within a year of all that stuff, he wound up overdosing and dying. And, um, and when I found out I was just sick over it, Chris, I remember I was, we were in the apartment where I used to live with Linda and, um, Chris texted me that Dave had died and my stomach dropped out. And that was really the first major death that I had dealt with. And I had obviously been a heroin addict for a long time and I had known a few people that died, but I wasn't really friends with any. And Dave dying was incredibly painful for me. Anyway, um, I had been kind of in touch with his father and his father wrote this book called uh, The Horse Rode Me. And it's a story, it's a novel about Dave's life. And he, the father, Bill Marshall, wrote it in Dave's voice. And I just bought a copy and I was about to have him on the show when I saw that Bill's other son, Tyler, who was, I think, 42 years old, also overdosed and died. And... Uh, and he actually, uh, I, I met Bill once at, uh, at Dave's funeral and, um, you know, it was incredibly sad and, and, and terrifying. And, uh, it was in rural Connecticut and there was, a there's a line all the way down the street. There was a very long line to get in. And, uh, I went with Chris. I drove from Long Island to, uh, this town in Connecticut near the casinos. I don't even remember the name of the town. It was far out though. And uh, and me, Chris, and a couple guys that uh, I knew from treatment and that Chris knew from treatment went to lunch and talked about Dave. And um, I can't imagine what Bill is going through. Just I, I can't even imagine. It seems like an impossible thing. I knew uh, how much David really admired Bill. And I, I never had a chance to tell Bill, but David would talk about Bill all the time. And, t- and tell me what an amazing athlete his father was and what amazing writer his father was. Um, so my heart just goes out to Bill uh, and their family. His name is Bill Marshall. I'm sure you can find him on Facebook. His book is called The Horse Rode Me. And uh, it's really just another uh, another way to carry the message of, um, you know, how I, I love Dopey to be fun. You know, I love I love old stupid drug stories. I think they're funny. I think I think the stories are really funny. I think when I tell a story about uh, seizing on a plane and getting wheeled off, it's funny. Um, and I even Chris's stories are still funny to me. But the truth is that um, this drug kills everybody, kills our friends, and uh, and it leaves people like Bill fucking decimated. It leaves me still decimated from my friends being gone. Todd's family decimated, Chris's family decimated, all of your friends, you know, it's just, it's repulsive. And you guys obviously know that, but, um, but this is fresh. 
So if you guys have any any nice words to to say to Bill, you should say them to him. And uh, if you're using, I would seek help immediately. Go to Aloe. Go to Detox. Go to a meeting. Fucking take care of yourself. Do your best. Before we go, I want to thank uh, Ashley for coming on the show. Ashley Hamilton. I want to thank Rocker T in the front of the show with the with the Dopey Podcast song. That Dopey Podcast song is literally always in my head. Rocker T, great reggae artist in California. Check him out. Uh, I want to thank Aloe. I want to thank Liz. I want to thank Pete for the email. Um, you know, write reviews. Chris always loved reviews. I love reviews. Uh, keep your fucking heads up. And as morbid as this sounds, if, if you're using... Uh, if you're a heroin addict and you're using drugs, there's a great chance you're going to use heroin. And if you're using heroin, there's a great chance you're going to get fentanyl and there's a great chance you're going to die. Um, I feel a little bit Pollyanna-ish saying it, but it's like I, I cannot believe the numbers of people that are dying. So try to keep that fresh in your mind that, that your last shot could really be the last thing that you ever do. Um, and then on the other side... You know, getting sober could be the greatest thing you ever did. I hate, I hate all this kind of stuff, but I just need it to be clear that I was a drug addict for many, many years. You know, uh, all the drugs I did, I probably did drugs for, you know, over 20 years. And, uh, and I managed to get off of them and I managed to enjoy my life, you know, you know, in some miraculous fucking turn of events, I, I managed to become an adult who enjoys being sober. So I'm just telling you it's possible. I'm not telling you what you have to do. You can do whatever you want. Uh, it's just possible. So with all that, stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris and Todd and Dave and Andrew and Tyler and Troy and Scott and anybody else uh, who died uh, from this, from drugs. And um, take care of yourselves. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad. Bad desire's all I ever had. And I want to take a ride up in the sky. Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting Smaller, smaller, and it's time to where I stand. Shadows getting smaller and smaller, and it's time to where I stand. And I wonder would they pay it any mind when I leave this busted city far behind? I'll take the high road, however far it winds. Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I want to be good so bad want to be good so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever
suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I wanna call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I wanna call my dad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had